This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. I'm also using the flip side of my brain where I'm like, okay, what would I be searching right now? What if I'm trying to put myself in the consumer's shoes and see, okay, what would other people be searching in this niche? Can I look at those reels and the content that's doing well in those areas and see if I can mimic them or implement them for my client strategy? So there's a lot of ways that you can use TikTok or Instagram or other social media accounts or platforms to do market research on. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast. I am happy to be on the mic. I'm a little more cheerful than I think the last intro. I go through highs and lows, and last week I think was a pretty low week, and this week I've just been very happy. I don't know if it's because I went out this morning and I got coffee with a friend, and you know, I sat outside. It was beautiful weather. I'm wearing long sleeve and shorts, and it's just perfect, and I got myself an iced latte soaking in some vitamin D. So maybe that's why I'm in a cheerful mood. I think I need to leave the house every single morning. I think that's just what I need to do. Maybe I need to find like a a commute or something because it just brightened up my mood. But obviously, if you can't tell, I am in Miami. It's the only place right now I think that you could be wearing long sleeve and shorts and sit outside with an iced coffee and feel good. So yeah, I'm in Miami right now. I absolutely love being here during this time, even though traffic is absolutely horrible, but it's just the most perfect time to be here. And now I can see why literally everyone comes down in the winter. I mean, I used to come down every winter, but I definitely see why it's a hot spot for the winter. And speaking of last week in Miami was Art Basel. So Art Basel just wrapped up. And if you don't know what it is, it's pretty much a time where a bunch of artists and galleries come to Miami and people throw events and parties and It's just an excuse to throw a lot of parties around art, I will say. So I went to a few events this past week. I brought some friends and I will definitely say that influencer events in Miami are very different. I've been to influencer events in New York. I've been to ones in LA and this was my first time going or my second time actually going in Miami. And they're just a lot more chill and down to earth, I will say. But Art Basel, I feel like gives me more of LA vibes because so many people from all over are coming to Miami during this week. And for the segment in this intro, I'm going to talk about an influencer encounter. because I always find these really fun. And you know, this is the real real. We don't give you the highlight reel. We give you the real real. So this is the real real of influencer events. I feel like influencer events look like a lot of fun online. You know, you see the stories. I'm guilty of it. Taking a quick little pan video, like going over the event, like looking like so much fun. You know, everyone's taking photos. But to be honest, I feel like they are so overhyped and you're really not missing out on too much. I'm not going to lie. They are fun. Some of them are really fun, but not all of them are like that. And there are some that are just like, okay, I can tell people are here for the photo. (laughs) Like no one's talking, no one's mingling, no one's really having a good time. But you know, on Instagram, it sure does look like it. So I went to one this week actually where I took Keon and it was very interesting. I will say, I'm not gonna say what event it was. I don't even know if I really posted about it, but I went to an event and it was just one of those events where everyone was talking to themselves. No one was mingling. Everyone was looking around to see who's who. The main person like that was supposed to be hosting it was just 
laying on a bed, like making out with his girlfriend the entire time. It was so weird. <laughs> it was. I was just like, okay, no one was socializing. It. I don't know. It just felt odd. Keon and I were like, let's just have a drink and then we can head out because it was definitely an event that I was just very confused of. And so that was the vibe that we got. And it was one of those things where like, I could have posted a bunch of stories and people could have been like, oh my God, you're having so much fun. That's so cool. But in real life, it wasn't really like that. And so I think always when you're looking at people's stories, realizing that people can make anything look good online. Like I can make anything look good. I can make uh, literally like a doctor's office look like the coolest thing in the world if I really tried. Like it's one of those things that you just, and you just got to take these things with a grain of salt. And obviously influencer events are made to look good. They're decorated really nicely. The drinks are cool. The food is good. You know, there's a lot of stylish people there, but it's not always the most fun. And I think that that's just something to keep in mind. I'm always so grateful to be invited to events because I will say the other events that I went to this week were a lot of fun and they were really cool. But it's one of those things that, you know, don't be like looking at these stories online and thinking like, oh my God, that looks like the best thing ever. Why didn't I get invited? Because I think a lot of times people will literally measure their worth on like what they got invited to or not. And that's just so backwards. So always just keeping that in mind as well, I think is really, really important. But yeah, that was my little influencer encounter. It was very weird walking in and then automatically being greeted by someone making out with their girlfriend on a bed. I was like, okay, <laughs> is this what LA is like? I don't know. I don't know. It gave me very like West Hollywood vibes. If I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm try- not trying to insult anyone either because, you know, influencer events in LA, New York, and Miami are all very fun, but they're just all very different. And this one was very different than what I was used to, I will say. So that's all I'll say, but I'm always very grateful to be invited to these things because I mean, majority of them are just a really good experience to network, meet people, try out new products. And I mean, it's just such an honor, honestly, for people to even think to invite me. So I am always very grateful for that. But I like sharing these stories with you because it gives you a little bit of an inside scoop that I can't really post online. But, you know, the podcast is different. The podcast is where I can share. It's where I can vent. And I hope that you like these intros because for me, they are very fun to just kind of recap my week and talk to you and be honest. And I I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, you probably see a lot of like correlations between the two. But yeah, I've noticed, I just love being like open and honest with you on my podcast intros. For some reason, I just feel so much more open on here than I do anywhere else. So I hope that you guys like it. But let's get into today's episode because I know that you're going to really, really like it. And you may have noticed that the Real Reels social media has been a lot more active the past few months. And today's guest is to thank for that. I honestly could not keep up with my personal social media plus Rellas. So when Kennedy Meehan reached out and expressed interest in helping, I was super, super excited and very relieved. It is very hard to find someone that you connect with on a personal level, but then also trust with your social media and with, you know, your project. Like the real real is mine. So to hand something off like that is not something that is an easy decision for me. But the minute that I spoke with Kennedy, I knew that she was going to be a great fit. We've gotten to really know each other over the past few months. And I wanted to bring her on the podcast because she has a relatable entrepreneurial story and is filled with great advice when it comes to freelancing and building a business, especially right out of college. She jumped right into freelancing out of college, kind of as a necessity. You know, she was one of the COVID graduates. She graduated during peak COVID and she's been steadily growing her client list for the past few years. She recently founded the Azure Agency, which is a full service PR and digital marketing agency specializing in securing third party credible content and media relations. And I have loved working with her and the podcast has seen so much improvement. Oh my goodness. I feel like we're so much more active. The community is better and it's just a good time. So if you haven't seen the Instagram, this is your chance. Go to the Real Real Podcast on Instagram and follow it. She's been doing such an amazing job. She is also so down to earth and easy to talk to. So it's just been a dream to work with her. And I really wanted to have her on because I know a lot of times when people are, you know, graduating college, like it's nice to hear from people who have these like multi-million dollar businesses. And obviously those are really inspiring, but like Kennedy is on her way there, but I wanted to talk to her 
when she's starting out, you know, she's only been doing this for a year or two. And I wanted to talk to her to experience like, Hey, what is it like jumping in right after college? What is it like starting your own business? And like, she's in the thick of it right now. So I really thought that she would be a great guest that is a relatable person and also someone to hopefully inspire you if you're going through the same exact like life change or life transition as well. On today's episode, we dive into how to use TikTok for market research and hashtag strategies. These are things that everyone should know, ways to build a client list and effectively send cold emails and methods to make sure that you're hiring the right people and interview red flags. I know you'll love this episode, especially if you're in that same stage of life that Kennedy is in or a little earlier or even a little later. It's never too late to start your own business. So I'm very excited to welcome Kennedy on the show. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Kennedy. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. I'm really excited. And for those of you who don't know, I'm going to do a proper intro so everyone will obviously know, but Kennedy does my social media for The Real Real. So she listens to all my episodes. So you're probably used to the, hi everyone, like setting the record straight, all of that, you know, the format. For sure. I'm, I'm well prepared for this. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to start with setting the record straight. So 
you know the drill. It's just stereotypes, assumptions, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. But the first one is that you need business experience to start a business. False. I didn't study business in school. I studied PR, which is what I do for business. But the whole back end of the business, I was completely, you know, foreign to. So I did a lot of research and asked a lot of questions to a lot of people who did know, you know, more than I did about business and had more experience. So as long as you use your resources, um, you know, I think anybody can start a business. Yeah, I do too. I think that business is one of those things that you can study it, but like until you actually do it, you're not going to know what to do. You know, it's like you can take all the classes you want, but it's more about actually experiencing it and like just stepping into it for the first time. Right. Yeah. And I think that goes for anything, honestly, like any major that you're doing or anything you want to pursue, you really need that real life experience in order to, you know, gain confidence in yourself so that you can go do it and learn more about it. So, yeah, exactly. And then the next one is that working for yourself is glamorous. Not at all. That is false. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I think that it's a lot more glamorized on social media than it is in reality. Um, It's a lot of late nights and organization and holding yourself accountable, which isn't always easy. So I definitely would not say that it is for everybody. I think you got to be built for, for this lifestyle. Yeah. And I think it's like, people think like, oh, I want to work for myself because I don't like structure. So it's like, I don't want to like wake up early and like have people telling me what to do. But I feel like when, at least my experience working for myself versus like a company, for example, I have so much more structure now than I did like at a company because like I have to implement it myself. So I'm like implementing everything. I'm like, making sure, you know, okay, I'm on the computer by a certain time or like checking, you know, doing work by this time, setting myself with deadlines, making meetings on my own. So it's just instead of someone setting them up for you, you're doing it yourself. But like, you need, I would say like more structure now than working for someone else. For sure. You have to have a lot of discipline in order to work for yourself. Because like I said, you have to hold yourself accountable. And, you know, I had a lot of internships where I worked, you know, full time at company. So I had the taste of the full-time nine to five life. And yeah, sure. It's really nice to wake up when you want and make your own schedule. It's really nice that I get to work out in the middle of the day if I want to, but I still have to make sure that all the work gets done and I'm responsible for my work and making my own money. So there's not that salary to fall back on and those benefits to fall back on. And all the glamorous part of the nine to five side, you know, that's, that's not, it's not included in this lifestyle. I know. I feel like benefits and taxes are things that people don't talk about at all when it comes to like starting your own thing, because people don't really talk about benefits just at a company either. It's always like, oh, how much money do you make? Like, that's always the question. So it's more so like, what's your salary? What's your income? But people don't realize when you go off on your own, you have to find health insurance yourself. Like, especially if you're over, what is it like 26 or if you're not on your parents' insurance, like you have to find health insurance. You have to find, um, like if you have employees, like, are you going to pay them benefits? Are you going to put them on payroll? Like taxes, how much do you owe at the end of the year? Like there's so much that you just don't know because your company would take care of it for you. And people don't ever talk about that. I feel like the only thing that gets talked about is like money and time when it comes to like starting your own business. For sure. That was, I think, the biggest learning curve for me when I first got started with this. And that was, you know, the kind of realm that I had the most questions in was, I don't know anything about finance. I don't know anything about keeping books or taxes, or do I pay state and federal? What state do I, what state taxes do I pay? So that was a couple months of learning for me and actually understanding what is necessary for me to run a successful business. But that's definitely not talked about, nor is it taught like at all during, you know, in public education, at least. I didn't learn anything about taxes or finance. I knew math to a certain extent, but that was it. I know. That's how I feel. I wish that there was a class that like, you know, there's some certain classes where you can like create your own business and like you have to make a business model and stuff like that. Personally, I think 
business models, you don't necessarily need a full-fledged business model to run a business, like a business plan. So I, you need like projections for, you know, how much money do you think you're going to make? How are you going to make this money? But in terms of like a full-fledged business plan, I feel like that's a little bit outdated right now. Like you don't really need that whole like 20 page document, but what you do need to know is like, what happens with this money? Like, how are you, where, where does it go at the end of the year? Like, I wish that there were school projects that I at least had that were more so like that, like being the CEO of a company and like everything that you have to do. I feel like that's so much more valuable than just like, oh, let's create this business plan and like write a bunch of documents on our marketing strategy and like how we're going to acquire customers, but then like not talk about anything else afterwards, like none of the admin work. Right. And I think that those kind of, you know, business plans are kind of built for companies that are already big and set in stone. When you're a small business and you're first starting, it's typically just you at the beginning, unless you have co-founders and then you bring people on. And then that's when those, you know, SOPs and the business plans and the marketing strategies, that's when that all gets planned. So in reality, that's like the last thing I think anybody starting a business needs to be worried about is making this like formal document of a 12-step plan. And this is what we need. And you just need a basic understanding of what you want to do, what you're passionate about, what is the problem that you're solving, who is your target audience and get to work and everything else falls into place. You learn as you go. Yeah, I totally agree. And the next one is that every brand needs a social media marketing strategy. Absolutely. True. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like now, like you can't have a company in 2021, at least like a new brand or a new company and like not have a plan for social. Like, I think that's like one of the biggest forms of marketing that you need to have. Absolutely. I think that a lot of small businesses, especially made by or created by like the older generation, I think there's a lack of understanding of how powerful social media is and also the influence that our generations hold over the majority of so many markets. So when most of your audience or consumers is on social media for hours of the day, consuming content for other brands, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage already by not having a presence on social media. And then to go a step further, it's not just, you know, okay, to have a presence, but you also need to know what you're doing on social media, what you're trying to accomplish with your page, who you're reaching with your page, and how to grow it. And I think it's, it's kind of misunderstood as far as, you know, like I said, with the older generation of how to even do that. Like, I know my parents don't know anything about how to how to grow an Instagram or how to monetize an Instagram or how influencer marketing works or any of that stuff. So I think that it is absolutely necessary for any business. It's first thing you should do, start an Instagram. I know. Like number one, see if the handle is available. Like <laughs> exactly. That it's like check the URL, check the check the website. And then second is check the Instagram handle. Yeah, exactly. And I want to talk about your background because you recently graduated college. So I saw that you had like your ceremony this year, but then I know you graduated last year during COVID. So did you always want to start your own business after school or after you graduated? Or how did you kind of come to that conclusion that like you were going to start your agency? Yeah, so I graduated in May of 2020, um, mid-COVID, and it was not at all my intention to start my own business. I had, you know, worked for a lot of different companies and a lot of different industries. I still wasn't even sure really exactly what I wanted to do or what industry I wanted to work in when I graduated. Like I still wanted to test the waters a little bit more. Um, but I think the PR industry in specific fell the brunt of COVID really hard and there was, you know, no jobs available. So I freelanced for a while for a couple of clients that I eventually brought with me when I launched the agency. Um, and I think when it was just months on months of me basically already doing it, and I planned to launch my own agency eventually, like maybe when I'm 35 or something, 
and I have all this experience under my belt. But after seeing so many positive results while I was freelancing and for my clients and just gaining that confidence that was built on top of the confidence I'd already built through my internships, it was kind of like a why not. Um, And I just kind of did it like one night, I just kind of stayed up 24 hours. I was just like, I'm just gonna do this. And I (laughs) signed up and registered my business and did the Instagram and got posts up. And I was just doing the whole thing emailed all my freelance clients I'm like hey I just launched my business so let's hop on a call and discuss this <laughs> so um it was definitely a process but it was not something I intended to to pursue right out of college yeah and I think with COVID a lot of people were in that boat like people were realizing like okay no one's hiring so I'm just gonna do my own thing and then they kind of never went back to the workforce and I think it's like right now also I think it's called like the great resignation right now is like the period we're in because it's like record numbers of people quitting their jobs and like doing their own thing and I think that that's something that has COVID has brought to light like you can work for yourself like take that leap take that you know step of faith so I think it's really cool that you did that especially right out of college but I think one thing people probably in the same boat have questions on is like how do you start like how did you even get your first client did you just cold email friends friends or family like who was that first person that gave you a chance so my first client was whiskey and water podcast um just and olivia which i also did their like personal stuff for a while on um, kind of like as a personal assistant so a good friend of my family's his name is justin aldrich um shout out he saw a post on or he posted for me on linkedin and was like hey i have a friend who's looking for a job if you guys know anybody just saw it reached out to him me and Jess had like known of each other because we're both from Wilmington so um and I had plans to move to Miami at the time so it just kind of made sense and then I did that there's I still work with them they're still clients of mine um so that was the first one and then after that it was just through connections and cold email I would say 50 50 so definitely reach out to brands you want to work with or people you want to work with or even if you're not necessarily like wanting to start your own business like just reach out to any connections that you have if you want to like freelance or do anything like that or reach out to anybody you know who is already in the industry or the field um my professors from college were a huge resource uh one of them owned a firm And so I reached out to her and kind of picked her brain. So I would just say use your resources and do as much research as you can as far as like what industry or niche you kind of want to build your business in. And there's also like, it's very different if you're going to do an e-commerce brand or if you're going to be very, you know, service-based. So just do your research, use your connections. Um, Honestly, TikTok is a huge resource. Go on TikTok. So those that's what do you do on TikTok? Like what what do you find on there? I just like, well, it depends what I'm researching, but for social media, for example, like you can get a lot of market research and like consumer feedback just from, you know, researching specific hashtags within your niche and seeing what people are like reviewing about like competitor products, you know, how they're posting like for reels and content ideas. Um, you can look at other brands, you know, TikToks or Instagram pages, see what kind of content they're using, just more so for like market research stuff. Okay. So like what's something that you searched on TikTok when you were first starting? Like what hashtags did you look through? Um, social media marketing. Okay. And like social media manager, um, PR strategy, you know, just like anything basic. There's there's obviously other hashtags that are going to be more useful than others, but I just went through a bunch of them like randomly. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's such a good underutilized strategy because I always hear people say like, oh yeah, you have to add hashtags, but you don't hear the other side of people searching through the hashtags. So I think that that's actually really valuable and it's like a creative way to do research, especially if you are appealing to like a Gen Z or millennial audience, you want to know what's trending also on those like topics too for sure and so many small businesses have like blown up through tiktok and 
even on Instagram, like video content is obviously being pushed so much more. So just using being on TikTok, uh, like I do it in bed at night, I'll sit there and scroll through TikTok and I'm doing work and getting ideas and brainstorming, you know, just being on an app that I enjoy being on. So it's a, you know, pretty enjoyable way to do market research. And then on the other side, it also helps me when I'm doing hashtag strategy for my clients, because I'm also using the flip side of my brain where I'm like, okay, what would I be searching right now? What if I'm trying to put myself in the consumer's shoes and see, okay, what would other people be searching in this niche? Can I look at those reels and the content that's doing well in those areas and see if I can mimic them or implement them for my client strategy? So there's a lot of ways that you can use TikTok or Instagram or other social media accounts or platforms to do market research on. When you're cold emailing a brand, let's say, like, do you have a list of dream brands that you want to work with? Are you targeting more like small businesses or like, how do you figure out what brand you want to work with? And then, cause I mean, like, obviously let's say like Revolve is a dream brand. Like they have their whole department and their team, you know, like probably not going to use a freelancer, but so how do you figure out like the exact business that you want to reach out to and, and what is like a perfect email to send or what's an email that like has gotten you responses? So as far as brands you want to work with, I am, you know, pretty much on Instagram all day just for work already. So I come across brands all the time. Also listening to podcasts, specifically entrepreneurial podcasts who have a lot of founders on. I specifically try to work with female founders mostly. So I listen to a lot of women in business podcasts and just see what kind of you know, stories they have, and I'll even pitch to them if it's something that I resonate with. Um, But I have like a master list in Excel that I just add to, and I'll just screenshot on my phone, I'll add them all at one time, typically once a week. um, And I reach out to them, or I typically like to engage on Instagram a few days before I email, see if you know, they like back or they comment back. Um, so engaging on other platforms just to see if somebody is running their social media, if that's something that I could be a service to them in implementing. We also offer a very wide range of services from like website design to influence marketing. So I just kind of look at what their page is already doing and I formulate a pitch and I'm like, hey, my name's Kennedy. I'm the founder of the Azure agency. Um, I came across your brand on Instagram. Uh, I would love to hop on a call and discuss what I have in mind for you. I absolutely love your branding and your product. Here's a little bit more about what we offer. You know, here's what I have in mind. Love to schedule a call. And then I follow up if I don't hear back. And then if I don't hear back from them after the follow-up, I typically like to like keep engaging with them on Instagram. And then even if I don't hear back from the email, I can follow up a few months later if, you know, there's engaging back. Yeah. And I want to talk about like the power of follow-ups because so many people are so scared to follow up, I think, because it's like, I'm being annoying. They're ignoring me. Like, I feel like people take it like, very personally, like when someone doesn't respond or if someone, you know, doesn't email you back. But have you noticed like follow-ups are actually very effective? And like, how do you get, how do you, realize like, okay, when it's time to stop reaching back out, like what's your strategy on that? So I typically like to follow up a week after the original email. And I would say that 70 to 80% of the time they respond to the follow-up. And a lot of times I miss emails that I get from people, unless you follow up. Like I, I get so many emails. I just, I miss it. I have so many like mailboxes I manage. So even if they don't follow up or respond after the first follow-up, I give it like another week and a half and I'll follow up again. I typically don't follow up after the like third email. If it's somebody I really, really want to talk to, I'll like maybe message them on another platform and be like, hey, I emailed you. Not sure if you saw it kind of do a shortened version of the email send. Um, But I think it kind of depends on your 
your interest in talking to them, how bad you need them, how how annoying you you care about coming off. Um, you know, sometimes like I I don't really care. Like I want I really want to talk to you, so I'm going to be persistent and it pays off. And then the worst thing they can do is, you know, not not answer ever. So Exactly. You're not losing anything if you keep following up. I don't think you should ever be scared to follow up ever. I agree. And also I will note, like sometimes if I get an email and I just forget about it, definitely the follow-ups work for me. But also I think that sometimes I'll get an email and I can't tell if it's like a mass email or if it's like personalized, like specifically to me, like, are they sending this to like a thousand people? Like, you know, and not that I get turned off by that because I know that like that's job, like a job for people to like reach out to so many people. But for me, I'm just like, eh, like they won't notice if I don't respond. Like, and I'll just like skip over it if it's not something I'm interested in. But then they, when they follow up again, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like, they're paying attention. Like maybe they really do want to work with me. I'll either take the call or I'll respond and be like, hey, I'm not interested at the time. But I think follow-ups are so important and people get so scared to do it. So I always recommend people, like even with like reaching out to brands to like work with influencers, follow-ups are so important. And also I think with clients, I feel like a lot of times with client work, there can be kind of like those nightmare clients that you're like, oh my God, this is worse than like working for someone. Or I feel like they think that I'm like working for them when really it's like, they're just a client of mine. I'm not an employee of their business. And I've had that happen before with like <laughs> with my agency. There were some clients I'm like, I'm not an employee. Like I think our <laughs> I think our boundaries are a little are a little there. There's some miscommunication here. I think you missed a page. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So how do you decide like what clients you work with? And do you say no often? Like, is that are you selective? Like, do you say no to people that you just know would not be a good fit? Um, at the beginning I didn't because I just wanted the work and the experience. I'm at the point now where I've kind of niched down and I'm a little more specific as far as who I want to work with. If I feel that there is a lack of understanding or education as far as the importance of my work and what I'm providing them, I typically won't do it because I know that there's going to be miscommunication down the line. I also don't work with people who only want to drive sales. So I'm huge on my clients understanding that brand awareness is just as important as sales. And a lot of times brand awareness comes first. So it's important, especially when starting with small businesses, a lot of my clients are like, well, you know, I, why don't we have a thousand, 2000 followers yet? I'm like, cause you started your Instagram a month ago. Like we, you're a small business, you're a startup. Like it's not like going to boom. Social media isn't just some magic wand that you can wave and like have yourself blow up. So I think that if there's that disconnect and I can sense that, I try not to work with them. If they're persistent on, you know, and they're interested on in working with me, then I, of course, educate my clients or my potential clients because that's my job. And I, I do want them to understand the power of what we do. But I can, you can typically tell off that first introduction call, the vibe. And I also take into consideration how much I like the product or, you know, what I'm promoting. Um, you know, in some cases, podcasts, like I... I love podcasts. If I love the content you produce, then sure. If I was to be, you know, approached by a podcast that was like, um, building <laughs> construction or something, like I'd be like, oh, I'm good, right? Like I don't think we align. Yeah, you have to. You can't say yes to everyone. I feel like you have to have some sort of niche, some sort of specialty or else you're not going to be good for anyone. You know, you'll just be like mediocre at everything. So I definitely think that being selective is important, understanding boundaries. And also with social also, I do think people do think it's like an overnight thing. People are like, oh, I hired a social media person. Like, why am I not blowing up? It's like, that's not how social media works. Like you have to implement something and then you'll see the results like three months later. Like <laughs> it doesn't 
happen right away. It's not like, oh, I posted every day for a week. Like, why, why did I not grow so much? Like, that's not how social works. So right, people really don't understand that. And I think that's why I personally, like, I like, obviously, like working together because you make the brand, like you, you figure out a brand for the podcast. You know, you're like making the branding. People know what to expect when they come to the page. They can get inspiration. They can do the quizzes every week, you know, like all of that. That's stuff that I value because I think that helps build like brand awareness, like you said. And for podcasts, especially, that's so important. Right, right. And I think that, you know, like you said, the whole overnight sensation, sure, like you can post a TikTok and you can get a million views and then you can get a lot of followers and sales. And, you know, but if you don't keep up with that, even if that does happen, which is pretty rare if you don't keep up with that and create a cohesive brand and keep up with all your socials and have a strategy in place and know what content to post and are engaging with your audience, you're going to be a one video sensation, you know, that went viral once. Right. So there's so much value in creating an online presence. And I think it's really important that the people I work with understand that. Right. And I want to now talk a little bit more about your like day to day, your routines that you have. What does your typical day look like? Like, what do you spend time working on? I'd love to know like your schedule. Um, so I wake up around eight, sometimes like three days a week, I'll wake up and I'll go to the gym. Um, I'm like recovering from a concussion. So my schedule was super, super off for like the last three weeks um and but typically wake up go to the gym um I come back walk my dogs make breakfast and then I'll sit down depending on the day I either have calls or I'll do emails do all the content um either for the day or for the next week depending on the client um check in with my interns and then I make lunch sometime in between there and make dinner at night and then chill out, watch Netflix. It's pretty much my my day to day. Do you structure it like a nine to five? Like, are you like, okay, I'm going to turn this off at a certain time or are you kind of just always on? No, I will work till midnight. If, I, if I'm like up to it and I'm awake, I'll sit there working till midnight. Um, a lot of days I won't even start working till noon just because I typically make all my appointments in the morning or my calls in the morning. Um, I like to have slow mornings and take my time if I want to sleep in, especially since, you know, I've been recovering. Like if I want to sleep in, I let myself sleep in and I always put like my health first. So if I don't feel good that day, like I'll sleep in, I'll take the morning slow. Um, cause I can, I have the luxury of working when I please, as long as I get those certain deliverables up and posted and, you know, do certain things that have deadlines, then I'm happy. My clients are happy. And I'm also fortunate enough to have, you know, some interns that help me out. So they, they typically are also working during the day and we have structured it well so that, you know, we're working at the same time or, you know, if they have questions, they have a certain time of day that they can reach out. We have weekly calls and everything. So how do you find your interns? Like, what do you look for in, in the people that you hire? I think that's one of the hardest things about running a business is like hiring the right people because your team is everything. And if you don't have a good team, then you don't have a good business. So that's been like my biggest struggle and not to say it's a struggle because I think my team right now is like the best it's ever, ever been. But anytime I'm like interviewing, I'm like, how do I know if like they're going to be a good fit? Like, I think it's so hard for me to decipher if like they're a good fit or not. Right. Yeah, I, I've definitely had some, <laughs> some struggles in this department as far as like not vibing or some people I work with just not meeting expectations. And I'm not afraid to be like, hey, you're not, I'll give you some warnings. Like, I won't just like, let you go after the first like mess up. And I'm very, very lenient. Like, I'm like, listen, you guys can work when you want. They're typically all in college. still. I'm like, I understand school comes first, work when you want. So, and I let, I make that known in the interview. I'm like, if, if you, if I choose to 
work with you. Like, this is how it goes. And I typically can like tell now if the vibe's off, but as far as off resume, like as long as you have some sort of experience in PR, that's a must. Like, I don't care if you don't necessarily have an understanding of social media strategy or like running a social media account. I think PR comes first and it's so broad now in most colleges that it, if you understand how people connect to consumers perceive, then you're going to be successful in doing social media stuff. Um, so that's number one. And then as far as like how professional their responses are when they email back, if you email me back and your email is like not structured and there's not really correct grammar or like commas, I'm not responding. <laughs> Like, cause, cause like, how can I trust you then to be emailing clients and like people who you're representing the business? I can't have you like, no, it's so true. It's so true. It's That's number one. Um, I've had times where I've had interviews scheduled and they like don't show up or come on to the zoom and then they'll email me like an hour after and be like, Oh, Hey, sorry. No. Like I, I won't, it, if you can't be on time for an interview for an internship, mm -hmm. like that, you, it's like the little things. I feel like I read into people a lot. So, um, but off resume, as long as you like have the basics, I'll interview you. And then based off that, I might do a second round. I've done that sometimes, but, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm very big on energy and vibes and you can't even tell it through, through a screen. Oh, Totally. Yeah. I think that is something also that's overlooked. It's like people just look at a resume and it's like, oh, they have such great experience. But like, if you don't vibe well with them, if you don't get along with them, if your personalities are not similar or at least compatible, then it's not going to work out. And like, that's one thing also with me is that I'm very, very big on that. But my issue is that I am really nervous and I've gotten so much better at this with Rella, but I get nervous to give like criticism, you know? And so that's where I'm like, I got to step it up. And obviously with Rella, it's kind of like catapulted me to stepping it up because I literally have to, or else like the business will not succeed because I can't do everything. Like I have to rely on my team. So I think I've gotten really, really good at that. But that was always my issue was like giving feedback. Like how do you give that feedback to your team? Let's say. Well, I'm naturally a very blunt person. <laughs> um, I don't sugarcoat anything. I think I try to sugarcoat things more in business because I'm scared that I'm gonna come off rude <laughs> um or like demanding or harsh uh so I honestly will send my message or my email or my text however I'm communicating with them like I'll send it to one of my friends and I'll be like how does this come off to you and they'll be like good I'll be like okay cool and I'll send it like I seriously get a second opinion before I give criticism because I I don't want to be that person or like especially as a boss like I don't want to be that person who you're scared to come and talk to or you don't enjoy working with or you're like feel like you're walking on eggshells trying to get everything perfect I try to be super lenient just because I've worked for people who haven't been very lenient and I know how unenjoyable it is so I I really just like send it to a friend and I'm like hey is this is this mean they're like you're That's good so I would funny. take this I would take this as an understanding I'm like okay cool yeah I think we also overthink ourselves like how we come across you know it's like oh man this sounds so mean but like really it's not it's just constructive and it's helpful and like people that have jobs obviously expect at times you know there to be criticism like I think that's normal it's just I don't think of it like that in my head I'm like oh no like am I being too harsh so <laughs> I, yeah I understand the first meeting that I have with any intern that I bring on or anybody that I'm working with I tell them offer it hey if I ever say something and you don't appreciate the way it comes off or you feel some type of way about it 
let me know. Cause I'm like, I know I can be blunt and that's just how I am. So please don't ever take anything I say personally, just know that I'm trying to help you. And they're like, okay. And I mean, I've never had an issue. Like I've never had anybody be like, Hey, that was really mean. But (laughs) um, I always try to keep myself in check just because I've had terrible experiences working for people who are just awful. Well, it's good that you're self-aware. I feel like that's obviously like a good thing. And I think you have to be self-aware to be like a leader of a business. So I think that's like a really, really good character trait. And I wanted to ask before we go, what is the realest piece of advice that you have gotten starting your agency, college, just life advice? Like doesn't matter. It could be anything. It could be even like nothing related to what we talked about. I don't really know if this is advice. It's more like a slogan or motto I live by, but it is what it is. And I just take that as like, everything happens for a reason, let it go. And in business specifically, like, don't be afraid to quit. It's okay to change what you want to do. It's okay to change careers. It's okay to fail and mess up. I think there is so much beauty in our journeys as people. And I try not to like get stuck on bad stuff. I'm still, I still have moments where I'm like, okay, you need to, everything will be fine. Stop stressing out. Um, But my, my pop always said it is what it is. And it's like the motto of the family. So anytime anybody's upset, we're like, it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then it's like, (laughs) oh, I love that. No, I think it's true. And I think, you know, failing as often as you can, honestly, just helps you learn and it helps you grow. And I always tell people, well, I don't tell people, but I always mention this to myself. Like I'm always like, it, this is just a chapter in my book. Like in the future, whenever I write a book one day, if I, <laughs> this is like this bad moment or this like stressful situation, it's just going to be a chapter. That's it. And then I move on. So <laughs> I've adopted that. <laughs> I heard this quote that was basically saying like, we live many lifetimes within our life. And it's so true. Like now that I've gotten older, like high school and college and now, and I'm sure like two or three years from now, is going to be a whole different lifetime than what I have now. And it's just cool to think about life that way because when things are going my way now, I'm just like, I put my trust in the universe that something, something beautiful, something good is going to come out of this. Even if it's, even if it's just a lesson, like there's something that comes out of every bad experience that you can learn from. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard like, it's only a mistake if you like don't learn from it. That's the quote. So I love that. But thank you so much, Kennedy, for coming on my podcast. And I'm excited for you to like re-listen to this and get all your quotes and your, (laughs) your social media, like quiz from this. Um, But where can they find you and where can they find your agency? Uh, you can find me at Kennedy Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N, uh, on Instagram. And then the Azure Agency is just at the Azure Agency on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. I'm super excited for everyone to listen to this. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.